Welcome to episode seven of Romega Talks. I'm so excited you're joining us today. It's a new season, a new format. We're in our beautiful new studio and in our new offices on 508 East First Street in downtown Rome. I'm really excited to present this new format, this new quality to you. Today we're interviewing Mark Cochran and uh, we're really excited about the conversation. I'm excited about what he has planned for this city if he's elected to uh, city commission uh, for Ward 1 and we cover a lot of ground. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Mark Cochran. We're going to talk a little bit about what has drawn you to this position because I know there's been a lot of conversations leading up to that. Lots. And uh, from my perspective and the conversations we've had offline, this feels very much a uh, response to a need in the community and not a desire for self. You've never really desired to be in politics, have you? No, no. I love politics, but I've always enjoyed being on the fringe of it, reading articles. I probably read at least 30 articles a day. And now it's time for articles articles to be written about you. Oh, gosh. I don't read those. (laughs) Oddly (laughs) enough, I, I do not read those. Well, it's wonderful having you here. I really appreciate um, your heart for the community, your vision for the position you're hoping to step into here, and your time here today. My pleasure. Thanks for it. I guess let's just start in a high level. Mark, why is it that you are wanting to run for council? Because the city of Rome can be better than it currently is, Hmm. and I don't see an active push to make it better than it currently is. And what does better mean to you? Certainly more forward thinking in the sense that we should be thinking more than one year out. Hmm. Politicians tend to think in cycles. How many cycles before the next election? How many cycles before my opponent goes into their next election? So they tend to take it in small chunks. I am fine with doing that, but you're almost throwing out the baby with the bathwater if you don't think 10, 20, 30 Mm -hmm. years down the road, right? Because the way to properly think about yourself and about the city is you're a community unto yourself. So what I mean by that is you're who you are today, and you're who you are tomorrow, and one week from now, and one year from now, and five years from now, and ten years from now. And so all of those people and places that you will be or have been before create who you are. Hmm. The city's the same way, but you're neglecting the community of yourself if you just live for today. And so it seems like we're really reactive. So, oh, look, a a pipe broke. Let's go fix that pipe. Oh, look, we have an event coming up a week from now. Okay, well, let's think a week out. You know, there's so many things, and you can see it through, and I don't want to call it neglect. That's That's not the right word. But you can see it through the lapse of maintenance in some of our just most basic infrastructure. So if I were to ask you what's the most important, at least conceptually, part of Rome, Georgia right now, area? Broad Street. Broad Street. If you'd walk down Broad Street right now, you would see crumbling curbs. Mm. You would see loose brick. Mm -hmm. You would see sidewalks that have not been pressure washed in forever. If you look at the red light poles, they're not painted. They haven't been maintained. They probably are still the original ones from the 1986 streetscape. The back of the signs that, you know, visitors come when they, you know, if you come here for the first time, you pretty much look at everything because it's new and fresh and your eyes are trying to take everything in. The back of the metal signs that have our streets on them are rusted. The crosswalks are not painted and maintained. There's lots, the grass and the median is dead. So... 
if you were going to invite the most important person that you knew over to your house, would you leave it a wreck or would you actually <laughs> would you want to fix it, it and clean it up, yeah. right? And so we're actively trying to get tournaments like the ACC tournament. Right. We're actively trying to encourage people to move here and we're actively trying to do all this stuff or at least we say we are but our actions don't necessarily sync up with our words Mm -hmm. and you don't just see that on broad street you see that in our corridors as well so take the north room corridor those people are absolutely trying to make their neighborhood the best it can be that community is trying to make the neighborhood the best it can be shorter avenue everybody who lives there all those people are trying to make shorter avenue the best it can be right and look at the sidewalks, look at the roads. So at some point in time, as a small business owner, you understand this. If you don't reinvest in your business, people fundamentally don't trust your business. Mm. So it's hard to get somebody to buy into your vision of your business if you don't reinvest in it. So take, for example, you're doing podcasts now, right? Mm. I'm looking at your equipment. I can tell your equipment's very nice. You've invested a substantial amount of money in it. You've also moved to a new office where you're actually taking the time to make it a better place. Mm. I know that Romega Digital is actually in good hands because you, you do not put your money in something that you don't believe won't be successful. Yeah. Yeah. And so at the basic level, infrastructure is, you know, one of the the first things people are going to experience when they come into our town. And, you know, we're doing a lot to invest in amenities and in different developments here, but there seems to be this oversight. And you told me this the other week and I just, I was really intrigued because you you were saying, you know, there's loose and missing brick in places on Broad Street. And I was like, I've never really noticed that. And you said, well, you know, you're probably blinded to it because you're here so much right right right. i walk it all the time of course i'm just going to overlook it and so i walked around this weekend with that in mind and i i saw you know uh uh, on on broad and second just this portion of the sidewalk that was just crumbling brick i was like unreal i've never even noticed it is unreal i've never even noticed that and then there's this other moment where um we got new crosswalk signs yes which is great. You know, they look they look awesome. And they have um, new buttons. The buttons used to not even work. I mean, you, right. you'd press them and it, it wasn't even wired to anything, I don't sure. think. I mean, it just didn't. It's, it's, it's on like a timer. The, like the, the open door in an elevator. Right. Those actually just don't work. They just makes you, know. you feel comfortable. Right. You know, nice new buttons. They're the censored kind where you can just move your hand across it. And, you know, it looks really good. And then there are signs above them to let you know which direction, if you press that button, you're going to cross. Sure. And uh, I saw this one spot on Broad and 3rd where the sign was facing the wrong direction. Oh, no. So it showed you you were crossing into like further onto Broad Street. Like you're just going to keep walking back where you came from. <laughs> press this button and go back where you came from is right. what that says. Right. And, you know, and, and little things like that that are oversights. Sure. And you know what? Yeah. Credit to the city where it's due. I Facebook messaged them. I have like right. one contact over the city. I'm like, hey, I don't know whose department this is, but check out this sign facing the wrong. They had it fixed within a day. Sure. You know, and so once the attention is brought to it, there is a desire to get it on the right track. But like sure. you said, there's not a lot of vision for finding these things. Well, and it and, might be attention that's our biggest deficit. Hmm. So to actually realize the potential of something, you have to pay attention Mm-hmm. to either the potential that's being met or the potential that could be or just to see that it has no potential at all. Right. So potential comes about because of attention, 
right? And if you meet something's potential, then you create order out of chaos. And I'm not saying that downtown is chaos and that Rome in general is chaos. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is there seems to be a lack of attentiveness to a certain extent about the way we see ourselves. I'm just as guilty of this as anybody. I walk around my house. It, it, you know, it can get a little bit of a mess, you know, and, sure. and I'm okay with it because it's my house. And right. everybody who lives in the city of Rome, we've just driven by some stuff for so long, and we know that the people here are great, but where they live could be better. Right. But we just accept certain things because that's the way it is. And essentially what I'm saying is if we paid more attention and could actually understand the possibility of what could be, we can actually make it better. Mm. But we have to pay attention to it to begin with because we can't look at it through the eyes of a Roman. Right. At least most things. We need to look at it through the eyes of somebody whom we want to move here. Yeah. Because if Rome's going to get better, it needs to grow. Mm. Like that's almost just the base heartbeat of a city. Mm. Have you grown? If you haven't grown, why not? What's wrong? And Rome hasn't grown in 10 years. And the census projection last time I checked is 1%, maybe a little bit over, of of Rome expecting to grow. We only have 36,000 people here to begin with. 1% is marginal at best. Wow. And that's over the next 10 years. So that's 300 people a year. So what's your thoughts on what our city needs in order to grow? It needs a renewed vision for quality of life. Mm -hmm. And by quality of life, I mean not what you have, but what you do. So... The trails here are okay. The rivers here are, are great, but there's no way to access them. Mm. The people here are spectacular. I love, that's the reason I moved back to Rome. So the people here are great. But we need more things to do in the eyes of people whom we want to move here. And it also has the wonderful side effect of enriching the lives of the people who are already here. Right. So take, for example, I go on runs, although not as often as I should. I go on runs uh, down by the clock tower, and I wind up in the library of the parking lot, and I run all the way down to the Brave Stadium and behind the Brave Stadium and all the way back to my house, which is about six miles. Wow. And I wish I could tell you that I did it quickly, but right. I would be, <laughs> I'd be lying through my teeth. That's not, that's not the case at all. But I have the bad habit of not wanting to run until like 1030 at night. So it's just not safe. Mm. Or at least the perception is that it's not safe. Now, okay. I think it's perfectly fine. Right. But Michelle, my wife, freaks out. And I tell my mom, sure. and my mom freaks out. Sure. And I tell other people, and they're like, it's not lit, right? It's like, no, of course it's not lit, but I'm not worried about it. Well, maybe I should be. Right. Because my perception and attention is not the only one that matters in that department. So trails need to be lit. Right. They need to be, there just needs to be a basis of, of safe design there, right? So when you run down by Rich Ferry Park, about every other light pole is out. They're there. They're there. Just out. They just don't work. Wow. So, so we've already invested in the infrastructure. We're just not maintaining it. Right. And so you wouldn't know that unless you walk there at 930 at night. Wow. But that becomes an attention thing, right? Right. And so that's just one small piece of a quality of life that could be enhanced. And so there are people now when I go running at 1030, there are people down at Ridge Ferry Park walking all over the place. Right. But there could be more. Whose responsibility is it to be attentive to these details? I think it's just the cities in general. I'm not sure how the hierarchy is broken down as to 
who is supposed to go out there. And to be quite honest, there's also the possibility that those lights don't even belong to the city. They mm. might belong to Georgia Power. I'm not certain. Yeah. But what I do know is they're out. So that goes back to my story with um, the, the the crosswalk. And there have been other times where I've been walking on a side street abroad and there's a bush that's, you know, taking over the street or, or over the sidewalk. I end up in the street to get around it. Right. And, you know, just maintaining those types of things. I notice, but I don't know the proper channels to report it. I almost wonder, you know, I, I'm noticing these things. We have a small government. Everyone can't be out there noticing everything. Sure, sure. If there was a way that we could empower the citizens to provide that information and via marketing, whatever it may be, be very clear uh, about presenting that information to the public to say, it's in your hands to help us identify where we need to be spending our time. Let us know that you're at the trails at 1030 at night and the lights are out. Right. And the city of Rome, to their credit, I believe Wendy Davis was maybe the spearhead behind this, uh, does have an app where you can report things like that. Okay. So it's a it's a complete possibility that I could say, hey, you know, by the way, the, the lights are out here and it would be fixed. My guess is it would be. But it's a bigger problem than that. Okay. Because if you're going to have a trail and you don't light it, then who is your, who are you playing to? Hmm. Right. Who, who are you excluding by not lighting the trail. You're excluding most everyone who doesn't, you know, have the ability to exercise, especially during the winter between the hours of, you know, eight in the morning and six o'clock at night. So if I get home and I, I take my kids and read to them and do all this other stuff, by the time I'm ready to run and they're in bed, it's, it's 10 o'clock at night, which is part of the reason I do it at that time. But it's just the overall thought of, why can't we do better with everything that we have? Right. So running down running down the path on, on Ridge Ferry Park, and I, I hate to keep on beating up on it, but <laughs> why not? So we will. Do you even know there's a river there? Right. It's so grown up, and I understand there's environmental reasons for some of that, and I, I respect that, but why not have a trail out in the middle of a pasture instead of next to a river mm. if you can't tell the river's there? Right. And I think that goes back to part of the attention thing also. We know we have a river. We know we have three of them. And potentially they could be amazing, but when's actually the last time you stop and actually looked at the river? It just doesn't happen. It's hard it, it, to because there's no access to it, buildings facing it. That's right. That's right. I got to walk down an alley to get to the river and, and look at it. <laughs> right. And so... In, just out of curiosity, do you know the only place that I'm aware of, at least on the Broad Street side, to access the river, actually go down and touch the water? Um, I would say by Moe's Barbecue. By Moe's Barbecue. Yeah, so behind the dumpster. Behind the dumpster, there is a small little staircase that you can walk down there and actually get to the water. Yeah. What happens when you don't, when you're unable to interact with something? Do you respect it? Are you no. aware of it? No. Right. So and, and that goes back to the attention part. Right. If you're not able to interact with something, you're not aware of it. Mm. Right. So we know we have three rivers. We know their names. We know roughly where they are. We drive over them at 40 miles an hour. But do we actually pay attention to them? No. No. So what if we had something where we could actually interact with it? And so. Other cities have, have noticed this and have actively tried to solve this problem. So one that everybody around here would be familiar with would be Chattanooga. Okay. You go to Chattanooga, it's 
immediate that they want you to participate in the rivers, right? But also you have Columbus, Ohio, Columbus, Georgia, San Antonio, Texas. There, there, there's lots of them that, that aren't coming to mind. Columbus, let's just take Columbus, Georgia for a sec. Okay. Columbus, Georgia was kind of, I guess, a mill town for lack of better terms. And Greenville, North Carolina, kind of the same way. Right. right. And so it was just, the river was something that was there, but you didn't interact with. I dare anybody to go to, to either one of those cities now and say that that is not the key central focus of their cities. Oh, yeah. The river walks, you, you can't. It's just part of who they are now. Greenville has such limited interaction with the river, but, you know, as far as like what you can do with it. Right. Because it's just a stream at port. That's parts right. Of it. And uh, my wife and I went up there for a weekend. We still spent most of our time interacting with that stream. That's right. There's a huge feature around it. Sure. And so, granted, we have we have issues with Alatoona Dam and Carter's Dam releasing water. And so our, our water fluctuates yeah. way more than it should. But if we don't have access to it, then we won't respect it. And if we don't have access to it, then we won't pay attention to it. And I guarantee you, people who come here for the first time notice it. Wow. And they say, well, hey, you know, every time somebody says something about Rome, it's seven hills and three rivers. And do we actually do anything with the rivers? Well, no. I mean, we even have an amazing paddleboard shop that's right next to the river. And it's really hard to get a paddleboard down to the river. Right. Right? It, it's crazy. So we need to invest in infrastructure. And most of that infrastructure investment needs to go into corridors and quality of life. And mm. by quality of life, I mean accessing our rivers, improving our trails, improving things to do. We need to be able to go from one side of Rome to the other on a walking trail. Yeah. And what happens in between that, you know, in some communities, some people are building wellness facilities just so you can walk by and get a checkup or get a flu shot or something like that. So there's out parcel possibilities there, endless, endless out parcel possibilities there. But without acknowledging that every single building that we have built on the river is a government functioning building, Mm. two parking decks, by the way, right? the most valuable piece of property in any other city that you go to and a forum that doesn't it's even the other way. is facing the other way a parking deck a town green that's that talks about the rivers but actually doesn't interact with them yeah. right so it's it's just those little type things that rome has so much potential to be that we have for whatever reason we have chosen to ignore or kick yeah. the can down the road yeah yeah. And when I hear these things, uh, my conservative mindset goes cha-ching, 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 sure. cha-ching. And what I love about your platform is, uh, you know, and go to Mark's Facebook page, follow along, uh, you know, Mark Cochran for Rome, um, and, and learn more about these details. But hit on it a little bit because you, you, your background is uh, so unique for this type of position um, where you have built infrastructure. You sure. you know the cost of that. You know how to get the right players and grants involved and all these types of details. How are we going to afford the type of stuff that you're talking about? Well, the first thing I would say is we can't afford not to. The second thing I would say is, and I say municipal bonds and people's eyes glaze over, but just hold with me for half a second. Municipal bonds are the types of loans that cities take out to build things. 
municipal bonds have never been cheaper than they are right now. So let me give you an example. We can say that we were going, we're going to hold off to do a sidewalk repair to a particular part of Rome, just in general. Let's say we want to redo a thousand linear feet of sidewalk, and that's going to cost, and I'm just pulling this cost out of the air, that's going to cost $100,000. We can get the bonds and build that $100,000 worth of sidewalk now, and it will cost us approximately $1,200 a year to pay for the bond, the debt on the bond, wow. or, or the interest on the bond, rather. Or we can put it off for 10 years, and the cost of concrete and the cost of construction ex escalation is about 6% a year. So in 10 years, I can't, I can do the math real quick, but it's, it's pretty, you know, all of a sudden that $100,000 concrete costs $200,000. Good gracious. Or you can do it now. Right. Right. If, if bonds were 6% and the, and the escalation of construction costs were 6%, then that's a debate we could have. Right. But construction costs aren't going to slow down anytime soon. They're getting worse, right? 6% is a very conservative number. In reality, it's depending on what you construct, it's more between 8 to 10. But bonds, people are talking about a recession right now. Well, bonds work the exact different, the exact opposite of how stocks work. If a, stock's, if a stock becomes hot, lots of people throw money into it, and it goes from $100 a share to $200 a share overnight because it's popular right? Bonds are the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. If a bunch of people throw money into bonds, they get cheaper. Yeah. So everybody hears the word recession, they, they throw money into bonds. bonds. Yeah. Right. That's the safer place to be. That's right. They're rock bottom right now. Mm. They've never, ever been lower. Thank you so much for tuning in to Romega Talks. If you're enjoying this podcast so far, we would really appreciate it if you give us a subscribe, a like, a review, share it with a friend. We'd love to get as many ears listening to this as possible so that we can continue providing great quality content and great guests for you. And if you have anyone you'd like us to interview or if you yourself would like to be on the podcast, please reach out to me. My email address is bkeith, K-E-I-T-H, at romegadigital.com. All right, let's get back to the show. So this goes back to my conversation at the beginning of this where we were talking about Woodstock and some of the things that they were doing um, at the right time. Timing seemed like everything with their story. Right. And when the 2008 recession hit, where people were getting conservative, they were buying up everything, That's all right. the land they could find to start grouping parcels together and looking for forward to the future. And, you know, everyone was on the city at that point, like, what are you doing? And, you know, you fast forward, it's 2019. That investment paid off. That gamble maybe paid off. It, it, it seems like, though, that that's the right thing to do. So take, for example, the 1986 streetscape. At some point in time, Broad Street decided to, to get its stuff together. And, you know, the, the city kind of led the way. But Broad Street in 1986 was a disaster. Hmm. Like, the buildings were... Some of them should have honestly been condemned. They were mostly a fire hazard. Almost none of the second stories were occupied. A lot of the windows were boarded up. Storefronts were boarded up. It is not somewhere that you would have gone yeah. had you had the choice. And just to give you an example of how deserted it was, my mother used to drop my friends and I down there on Broad Street, and we would skateboard 
down the middle of Broad Street because we knew we'd get hit by cars, right? There just weren't any cars there, right? So that was that was part of my my youth, just growing up and assuming that Broad Street would always be like that, right? Uh-huh. You you went to Riverbend Mall if you wanted to be cool, right? So malls and, and you know cities go through these progressions, but that's right. kind of how it was. Yeah, and so some people. John Bennett was was part of that, and he had kind of the forethought to say, you know what, Broad Street needs something to happen to it. If if we want to, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, if we want people to invest in the city, the city has to invest in itself first. And so the streetscape was done. And for the time, it was borderline revolutionary because nobody went back down into their urban core and fixed it. It was just unheard of. You just wow. didn't. We just moved on. Yeah, you just didn't do it, right? And kind of the same thing was happening in a few other cities, but in different ways. But yeah, I mean, 1986 to do something like that was was unheard of. Huh. So, and yes, it took a while, but it's paid off. You know, it's paid such huge huge dividends. I'm sure. Now, I'm sure. Right? Yeah. So Broad Street wouldn't be Broad Street's thriving now. Right, yeah. half of what it was. If, if that had never happened, that is probably, certainly in the last 35 or 40 years, that's the greatest infrastructure project and forward-thinking piece that Rome has ever done. And I'm just saying we've bottomed out, and there needs to be more done now. So It's time for investment. It's time for those gambles. Right. What's it's our never next... been cheaper to do that, it sounds like. Right. Never. Never. So what's our next streetscape? Right. What's our next streetscape? And to ignore rivers and trails would, would be crazy. We, be we have to do that. But it's not just that. It's what defines a neighborhood. Well, the people define the neighborhood, right? And the yeah. buildings certainly have something to do with it. But if the city doesn't show the neighborhoods that they matter and the city kind of neglects them on the whole, what resources do they think they can pull from? And how do they, how do they expect to become better again if, if the baseline minimum amount of caring by the city is not even done. So you go through all these neighborhoods, right? East Rome, College Heights. When's the last time that those sidewalks were redone? And to to give the city their due, South Broad Street looks amazing, right? Mm. In South Rome, it looks great. And that has done a lot for that community. That's spurned some reinvestment right in there. Why can't we be doing that now? I mean, once again, cheap money exists. And if you're a small business person, and I hear this a lot, and it's a fair argument, why can't the city be run like a business? Hmm. And okay, to a certain extent it can, to a certain extent it can't. But one good financial move that it can make right now is if I was a small business and I knew that I needed to upgrade something and the money was the cheapest it could ever ever been. Yeah. I would be a fool not to borrow it. Sure. Right? Because tax revenues are still up. Yeah. Right? The economy is still, even though people are talking about recession, the economy is still doing pretty well. Yeah. So why not Why not start now? Do it now. Do it now. So I was talking with uh, Jamie McCord, who's the county manager for, um, he's got a, just a ton of projects on his plate. Yeah, um, he's a good dude. Yeah, solid dude. Um, and he's got so many projects going on that the timeline on them are so far is, is so far out because uh, there's just not the talent to, to cover it. So we get the money, maybe. Sure. Maybe the money's there. Sure. Can we solve the talent problem? We can. There's actually an innovative way to do that. And it was, for, for those 
who are listening who, who don't know, my, my master's degree was in architecture, mm. and it was done in San Diego, California. And whether we like it or not, and Georgia is, is an amazing place to live, and California, for all of its faults, it, pun intended. Pun intended. Yeah, it, didn't, <laughs> uh, it has a a lot of forward thinking ideas, half of which are ludicrous, but half of which actually pan out to be pretty good ideas. Yeah. And so one of those ideas is called um, an IDP. And so basically, the type of bidding mechanism that you do is you say we have X amount of dollars to perform. A certain function. So let's say we wanted to replace 10,000 linear feet of sidewalk. I'll go back to sidewalks again. Mm-hmm. And we'd, we'd also like some fancy looking light poles and maybe some brick in the sidewalk. And we're kind of squishy on exactly what we want. And here's the reason we want to be squishy. We actually contact three qualified bidders and we say, here is the exact amount of money that we have. We want you to come up with the best solution for the amount of money that we're giving. Right. And so one will say, well, we can give you 9,000 linear feet of sidewalk, hmm. but we can also give you brick and light poles. And the other one says, we can give you 10,000 linear feet of sidewalk and save you X amount of dollars. And the other one says, we can give you 10,000 linear feet of sidewalks, and we can give you these fancy light poles, and we'll give you a little bit of brick hmm. somewhere around the intersections. Yeah. And let's the creative minds of the designers and the contractors who were involved come up with the best and most logical and efficient manner in producing something that the city wants but is not tied to a certain design for. And that'll allow capitalism to thrive. I mean, there's also, uh, that's, that's how I run my business too. Like I do not want to hire people that are worse than me at doing something. The whole point of me hiring is to bring in the expertise to say, Hey, this is something that we've been doing. Take it off my plate and do it better. That's right. That's right. And so California was experimenting with this, not just on sidewalks. We're talking multi, multi, multi million dollar projects like, $200 $200 million projects. Well, this is what Woodstock did as well. It's in our backyard. I mean, yeah. it's, it, we bought a plot of land. What do you, community, we have ideas for urban development for this. We know we need to solve housing. We know we need to solve some re, uh, retail. Sure. How would you accomplish this? Right, right. And Chattanooga did it as well. Mm-hmm. Macon's in the process of doing it. And here's another thing. Like, go to any decently large city right now and you see cranes. Like Atlanta, you can't sling a cat without hitting a crane, right? They're, they're everywhere. But, I mean, that's Atlanta, and that, that's not a fair comparison. But go to Gainesville, hmm. right? Go to, um, you know, pick any other relatively decent-sized city, Tifton. Mm-hmm. Go, to, um, go to Albany, right? Go to, um, go to Athens. Go to um, Carrollton. Go, you know, they're building. Yeah. They're doing stuff. It's, they're not waiting Right. Why are we waiting? Right. And I'm, I'm not sure why we're waiting. Yeah. And maybe maybe I'm not aware of some particular reason that, that we're waiting. But, I, you know, I'd love to know what it is. Yeah. Figure so, out how we can get past it, too. Yeah. 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 yeah so um, this whole give it out to the community and let's let's help. Let's allow them to kind of figure out what we want to, to develop. I feel like some of that was done with Splost. You know, it was to a certain extent. The problem was splossed, and this is a whole different uh, problem. But the problem. Join us for the next week's <laughs> <Exactly>. podcast. 
one of the major issues with SPLOST is we have abused it by maintaining things in s- yeah. instead of using it for special purposes. Mm. So, for example, if we needed new roofs on buildings, right, we used a SPLOST to pay for it. If we need, If we needed to upgrade certain things that should have always been upgraded all along, right? And we used a SPLOS to pay for it. And a lot of people who are adamantly against the SPLOS, they have a point, yeah. right? It's like you've abused the SPLOS to the point where we just don't, we just don't believe in it anymore. And we say, you say you're, you're going to give us a particular thing, but we always get 80% of that particular right. thing. And so, and Sometimes that's just beyond their control, uh, the city's control. And, and, you know, it's, it's not a perfect system, but SPLOST is okay. But the one thing that SPLOST does is we've created all of these brand new things, but we don't have the money to maintain them because the mm. tax base never existed here to build them to begin with. Mm. So I believe... I don't know how much SPLOS money we've spent in the past 10 years. It, obviously, hundreds of millions of dollars. Sure. That, in theory, we could have never done that or, or built those any other way. Well, now they're 10 years old? Yeah. How are we going to maintain those? Mm-hmm. We never had the tax base to build them to begin with. Where's the tax base going to come from to maintain them? So we've kind of elevated a lot of things that maybe we, we've kind of tricked ourselves a little bit. So if we build a $10 million building and the roof costs $700,000 and we need to replace that roof in 20 years, of course, you take the $700,000, you divide it by 20, and you put that money aside every year for the next 20 years. In commercial real estate, that's called a sink fund. As far as I know, we don't do that. And so even even though we've got a brand new shiny SPLOS project, we don't have the money to maintain it. So what's the idea? What's a better use for SPLOS? How should we be looking at funding or utilizing the funds of SPLOS? It's truly a special purpose. In other words, the Brave Stadium is a perfect example of SPLOS fund. I think the Tennis Center is a perfect example of SPLOS fund. And there's a, there's a joke. For that one. Yeah, well, you know, so so I've got a story behind that. But the, the, you know, the, the joke is you can't go five or six sentences into any debate without somebody coming up with a tennis center. Right. Fair enough. Right. Um, the tennis center, I think, turned out great. Of course, I designed it, so you know, bring the heat if you want to. But uh, with a with a, a a limited budget that we that wasn't fully realized because the way the SPLOS committee works, it was originally supposed to be fourteen million. It wound up being ten. And so we logically had to cut some funding for some things. Wow. So, but I think that the community got an excellent tennis center out of it. And um, the president of the USTA even even agreed when he came and visited. So, and, and so all the accolades of that go to those who had the foresight 10 years ago to think about it. But here's the great thing about the SPLOS that very few people talk about, but that we need to reiterate. If you've ever gone to Seasons and enjoyed the food there, or you've ever gone to Whistlebritches and shopped, or you've ever gone into Frio's and enjoyed a popsicle. When we were chosen as the winning bid to be the architects for the tennis center, we didn't take the money and go out of town with it. Right. I purchased those buildings on Broad Street, hmm. and I redid them, and I sold them. Yeah, they look beautiful. Right? And so now you have a restaurant and an office upstairs, and you have... Uh, 
Whistle Bridges, which has, you know, a, a, a house upstairs, a residence mm-hmm. upstairs. And you have Frio's, which has another office upstairs, right? And so by choosing local contractors, architects, to perform these, you actually get reinvestment in the community. Sure. But part of the problem that we have is we don't discriminate between local and out of town when other communities do. So as an example, let's say you have a $100,000 bid, which is not an uncommon you know, project of, of that size uh, for the city of Rome or the county even. We don't if 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 somebody out of town bids nine hundred or ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars, and a local contractor bids a hundred thousand dollars, we give it to the people out of town because of really yes. But Every uh, RFP I've seen for government work has some kind of weight in it for uh, you know benefiting. We do not. Wow. Right. Well, that seems like an easy, quick fix. It does seem like an easy, quick fix. Because I agree. Like when I see the the revenue for Sploss and if. You know, I, I've got my problems with it, and I, you're you're um, you're helping me with some of those right now. But I, I've always thought, like, if at least it's going back into the community, then win. Right. You know, but that's that's wild. It is wild. So, you know, a, lo- a lot of a lot of the larger jobs come in. They're built by out of town contractors, which is fine. Sometimes w- local resources are, are lacking in talent or knowledge to build specifically, sure. you know, d- sure. difficult things to build and. So that money goes out of town. But for pretty much everything else that we absolutely have the talent and and the resources here to do, why not give the local people an advantage? Right. Right. The velocity of money. And it's not saying that they're going to automatically win and they can price it out. But every RFP I've ever seen has has some kind of percentage weight to say, like, you automatically get 5% to say just because you're in town. And so there's a little bit of wiggle room there to know that we're not going to be priced out of it by a dollar. Right. Or by however many dollars. That's a, a simple, quick explanation right. of, you know, here's something small and easy to fix. Okay, so we've got the do. tennis center. The idea being that this is something new, kind of a gamble, special project. You went back to saying then um, earlier, what are we going to do to maintain that now? Now that's, that's a, is that now a private entity? No, it's still a public entity. They passed a particular tax to go along on the hotel motel tax okay. to pay for that. And so that was one of the forward-thinking things that actually happened within the tennis community to say, we need to fund this by doing that. And, you know, granted, that's, that's a great idea. But 20 years down the road, when it's really suffering, because all tennis courts suffer 20 years down the road, right? Mm. Are we going to have maintained it along the way to keep it where relevant. it's relevant and but it you know the tennis center i think is is pretty straightforward because there's not a whole lot of maintenance to do to it unlike say but the point is that we we saw this this need in this gamble and we've determined some kind of uh performance indicator against it to say the success of this will be by uh you know us having more people come stay at our hotels that's right. And we're going to take those tax dollars, and if it can sustain the tennis center, then in 20 years it's going to look great and it can stay around. Yes. We're not saying we've got this new government facility and we got to find the money for it right. and, and maintain that. So you're saying that there's always got to be um, – uh, don't let me put words in your mouth. No, but no, it no. sounds like there's always got to be some kind of uh, – 
performance indicator from the outside to say, this is the metric that this SPLOS project should be tied against. That's exactly right. To fund itself. That's right. Because we can't continue using SPLOS dollars on this year after year. Right. So so the, the normal way that's done is say you pay 2% for a bond, right? A, a municipal bond. In theory, because of the relevance of that bond, your population should grow by 2%. Mm. And so you've brought 2% more in the tax base, and that covers the interest payment that you're making on the bond. Gotcha. So that's just, say, one small metric. But you'll never get that by just saying, okay, well, we replaced a 1,000 linear feet of sidewalk and, and paved this road. It has to be a fundamental reimagining of everything that Rome could be. Mm. Like Woodstock, to their credit, like you said, 10 years ago went, okay, we need to do something. Imagine 10 years ago, the iPhone had just come out, right? Wow, that's true. It, it Right? Yeah. Facebook's only been relevant for, what, four or five years now? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And so just to think how much our world has changed in 10 years. Yeah. If you're, if, if you're lucky, you get to plan five years out for the next 10 Right. But in reality, you should probably you should probably have a long term comprehensive plan for what a city should be. But, you know, it's it, it's been so hard these last 10 years. But everything is moving so fast now every year that we don't sink our teeth into it and say, this is what we're going to be. We're not one year behind. We're probably two, maybe three. Wow. Because. Look at who we're competing against. We're competing against Greenville, Chattanooga, Athens, Columbus. Macon's doing a bang-up job right now, right? Savannah, to a lesser extent, you know, bigger cities that aren't quite as large as Atlanta. So Birmingham, sure, right? So if we want to... That's who the people that are looking at relocating here are comparing us to. Yes, absolutely. Because that's who I'm comparing us to. Yeah, that's who I'm comparing to. My wife and I have had conversations about, should we be in Chattanooga? Yeah. Is Rome moving fast enough for us? Right. And so, but Chattanooga started planning this mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Yeah. Right. And so you get those those cities reach a critical mass with their tax base and their talent. Yeah. And it just grows. Yeah. Right. It's like, okay, well, we did this and it worked. Why don't we do this? And so we're moving in a linear fashion mm. and they're moving exponentially. Yeah. And it's not impossible to catch For up. every year that we're not moving at an exponential rate, we're almost falling behind. Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. There, there may be a point of no turning back that's where right. Rome is no longer relevant. That's, that's what scares me the most. And that day seems closer than, than not. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so what do, you, what do you do to maintain talent? What do you do to maintain your tax base? What do you, what do, you do to, to stay ahead of the curve? And we're not even staying ahead of the curve. We're we're three clicks behind it right now. There wow. is there is no curve, as far as as far as I can tell. So, and I'm not saying, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I don't want to come across as saying I have all the answers. I don't, yeah. by any means. There there are people in this town who are far more educated and smarter than I am in this area and know a lot more about it. And the base core of people at the city of Rome are excellent. Yeah, like our. Our planning department is so amazing. I, I, I love all those guys there. Like Neil Bryson Art, as you were talking about, right. they're top-notch, right? right? And Brittany over there is, is great. I think Sammy does a great job. I think Patrick is amazing. Um, but at, at, I think it's not their fault. Right. Some of the complaints that get thrown at them, that's just, you know, it's not their fault. What I believe fundamentally is at fault is 
there's not there's a lack of vision and attention and leadership. That's exactly right. And you know they can only work within the bounds that they're given by people like yourself stepping into this new role. That's right. Yeah, that's right. They're essentially what it boils down to is their operations. They're mm-hmm. they're they're given they're given direction, and and they make at, it a, very, at a very high level, yeah. and then they get into the weeds and make yeah. it happen. And they do a great job. At they that. do do a great job of that. But when you have a a lack of vision mm-hmm. at the top, it, it they're taking it week by week, yeah. month by month, year by year. Yeah, and no right. one's looking at where can we go uh, in the next five, ten years. That's right. What can Rome look like? That's right. Well, that's Mark Cochran's platform. There is a ton there. We've unpacked a portion of it, but yeah. I know people are going to want to know more. Sure. So where can we uh, check you out? Facebook, uh, Instagram. Uh, you know what? If anybody wants me to come talk to them you know, just them or have a conversation or an email or talk to a group so my phone number is 706 this is brave right wow 706-512-6312 please don't text me obscenities at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> i'd appreciate it uh my email is cochran with the number four rome at gmail.com wow and uh yeah, so it's so accessible. I love that. Yeah, so you know, um, send me a private message on Facebook. Send me a text message. Give me a call. I'll be glad. I will literally talk to anybody. That's wonderful. Yeah, and we will open our podcast room to to anyone that wants to be on the other side of this and record the conversation because I've enjoyed this. I know the the community would greatly benefit from uh, voting you in office. Uh, you've got my vote, my vote of confidence, and my support. Um, November 15th? Is that where? November 5th. November 5th. I'd yeah. be 10 days behind. Let's make sure we get out there on November 5th. <laughs> November 5th. If you haven't registered to vote, the last day to register to vote is October the 7th. Can we put some information on your uh, Facebook page to show people where to go on that? I'd love to. We'll make sure that happens. Well, that's fantastic. Thanks so much for, for joining me in this conversation. I really look forward to seeing what your campaign has to offer. Yeah, this has been great. I appreciate it. Wonderful. Thanks, Mark. All right, thanks. Thank you for tuning in to Ramea Talks Episode 7. Very exciting conversation with Mark Cochran. We have a lot of information coming out on his Facebook page over the coming weeks. Don't forget to get out there and vote on November 5th. Uh, He's got other bits of information coming out about how to register to vote if you don't know how to do that. And also information about his platform. So check him out on Facebook. And uh, be sure to tune in with uh, episode eight coming up where we're going to invite Mike Schiefer into the studio and talk about Lumina Coffee, a great little coffee spot here in town. And he has a lot of great things to say. And uh, here's a clip just to give you a tidbit of what we're going to be discussing in episode eight. We'll see you there. We started to talk about the idea, many, many ideas, and it led down this path ultimately of a coffee type of experience. But we said, you know, we want to be something different. And I said, there's got to be something in the center that isn't just about the product or even, quite frankly, about the things we serve or the environment we're in. We actually want to create an experience for people. Yeah, that if we could get the experience right, that would propel us to put other things around that experience. Think about, in fact, this is what we thought about was this idea around being a light to a community. And so as we started to unpack that ourselves and think through what that word light meant, lighten the load, have a light experience, bring your shoulders down, find an environment that's relaxing, wouldn't that be amazing? And then that became part of the idea around this thing called an experience. So when we did that, in fact, that's where the name of the coffee company came from. Matthew walked in one day and he said, we've been talking a lot about light. And it's our real ethos to be a light unto others and light unto the community. 
So he said, okay. He said, well, lumen is a source of light, and the plural of lumen is lumina. And he says, Dad, it's like when you go to the, the local store and you pick up a light bulb, there's lumens and it's, it's a source of this generation of light. Mm -hmm. Could that be something we'd consider? And there it was, right. Lumina Coffee Company.